Hey guys, we are going to be addressing some questions from recent videos. Thank you again for all your comments and questions. This is from the Patriarchy Finding a Trad Wife Scott's Stories video. I watch you in hopes that I can glean some wisdom on how to talk to my children someday about dating, marriage, and fulfilling their missions. At what age would you say is appropriate to have those intimate conversations about those things? You mentioned your youth leader giving you a premature thought about girls and awoke something in you. So where's the line from preparing your children and encouraging them to desire marriage, but to not awake premature desire? Yeah, it's a good question. I don't think there is too young an age to talk about our purpose. That is parenting is here's why you were made. Here's who made you. Here's what you were made for. And marriage is part of our purpose. It's part of how we were designed to operate in this world by God. From young, there's, you know, there's really no harm in from as soon as a child can understand language to start preparing them for all their different types of purposes, you know, work, health, relationships, all the different things of being successful in this life that God has given us to live and normalizing those things. And so it's a good thing to desire marriage. It's a good thing to be married. And so from young, you are shaping the end target. When it comes to prematurely desiring, you know, what happened for me was marriage was never brought into the conversation about what to do with your attraction for girls. So when that guy, when your youth leader said, what do you think about this girl? It mm -hmm. wasn't in the... Of like, hey, are you ready to get married? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So... Because you probably already liked girls. It mm -hmm. wasn't... You... I liked girls. I was just avoiding them because I knew I wasn't ready for marriage. And so someone coming along and saying, well, there's no, there's no harm in dating. There's no harm in pursuing attraction without the end goal of marriage or without talking about marriage. No, that, that was something that was out of time, out of place. If your children are attracted or intrigued about the opposite sex, that's a wonderful thing to talk about and, and to not be awkward about or secretive about. Mm -hmm. It's a very good thing to be involved in, you know, in the Old Testament, parents were very involved in the selection of spouses for their children. And so that's a wonderful thing to be very involved in, especially now in the breakdown of a society where it is so hard for youngsters to date. It is so hard for youngsters to find spouses. We need as much parental involvement as possible in the culture right now. And that includes dating toward marriage. Yeah, and I would say you say a lot, parents being involved in this very thing is going to be the way forward for younger people getting married, like fathers looking for husbands for their daughters, mm -hmm. and whether Probably that be, work I was going to say, or... where they work, and being very involved in that because dating today is hard, it's awkward, especially with online dating. It has created a sense of false abundance in a way because I feel like we talked a little bit about online dating, but the dynamics are, it's like you could get on this app and see there's an abundance of girls out there and mm -hmm. never choose anyone. So it puts girls in a very yeah. vulnerable position. And even with the more Christian dating apps or whatever, it's still a dating app. It's not a marriage app. So yeah. the end goal is not marriage. It's, oh yeah, just date around, see what happens. Yeah, or... whereas if a parent is involved, it is serious. It adds a layer of focus. And yeah, purpose to it. and that's been really important for us with deciding on where we go to churches. I mean, we aren't blessed with children yet, but that's very much in our mindset is we want to be in a church where we like the parents, the people our age that are having children, mm -hmm. because it would be ideal for our kids to marry 
their kids or for people that you work with that are having kids, for parents to position themselves in places where that could be a potential for their children yeah, to meet it, people. There's a mindset shift. We have to start seeing our roles within family as a multi-generational engagement. You know, this libertarian or this modern cultural ideal of they're their own person, they'll figure it out. No, inheritance is a very important part of God's way of doing family. There's a lot of things that are inherited. You know, there's, there's wealth that's inherited, there's skills and work. You know, if you work with your father, you're inheriting the family business or the family profession or the family network. Uh, that's a wonderful thing. It's the same way with wanting your family to be multiplied and to, to carry on in the generations is you're also going to want to help your children with who they marry because that, you're going to be tied to that. You're going to be connected to that. You're not just, oh, well, we're checking out. We're, we're out of this. No, it's going to affect you very much for generations to come. It's affecting the destiny of your own family line for generations to come. And so it's a, it's a wonderful privilege that I think a lot more parents need to get back into that mindset of being very involved in the future generations because that is what the culture is against. The culture is against family. The culture is against the biblical notion of what it looks like to be a multi-generational uh, legacy family because that is the picture of God uh, in creation. So as awkward as it is, it's very important for parents to be involved in this process, to talk about it naturally uh, with their children because it is natural. It's a natural design. Uh, to be attracted to the opposite sex. It's a natural design to want to be married, uh, to want to pair bond, to want to have children, to want to uh, nurture those children and bring them up. And so praise God, you know, get in and encourage that and, and be a part of that for the next generation. And would you also say that is a benefit of, if you're going to use social media and networking in that way of, I mean, we've met people across different states that we would have never met had it not been for YouTube or mm -hmm. social media, and we've met them in real life and have become friends with them, then it's, you guys have great children, we like how you parent, this is again a possibility. And it's not weird, that should be the normal way of thinking, is mm -hmm. we wanna expand our network in such a way that our children have options. Yeah, that we approve of and that we like, and yeah, yeah. praise God. And would you say that that is how it used to be? I don't think it, needed to be like that in the past because it was a more homogenous culture. It was more local or at least, you know, everyone had a very similar culture in the past. Whereas now with mass media and globalism, the cultural breakdown and the breaking of down of tradition, you do have to find your tribe. You do have to be very intentional with making sure that your children meet your own people again. You know, there's that great story in the Bible of Abraham saying to his servant, like, go find a wife for my son from my own people. He understood the cultural legacy or inheritance of you don't want to be sending your kids out into different cultures that disrespect you, disrespect your God. And that is what happens sending kids off to university. You mm -hmm. are leaving. Most universities are in big cities. So if you are from, like I was from a rural town, you leave your rural area to go to another place and then that is also then how so many people, I would say now more than ever, are so transient with moving around yeah. for jobs and universities and all of that stuff. Whereas it used to be everything was so local. You met your spouse in your little town. You got married there. You had kids there. Your kids married your friend's kids. Hallmark. 
God bless. Well, homework isn't Homework awesome. is trash. The next part of this question is, you mentioned men waiting till they are established to pursue marriage, which I totally agree, but what should the young ladies be doing if they have to wait around for men to be established? It seems reasonable for them to go to school and pursue their passions in the meantime, right? Yeah, it's, it's another good question because of where our culture has us with our worldview right now. Our worldview right now is that an 18-year-old should marry an 18-year-old or a 25-year-old should marry a 25-year-old. To the point where if you hear a four-year age difference or more, mm -hmm. it's like Shocking. creepy or the guy is gross. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's Well, that's what the culture is trying to... Um, and that's a result of this feminized academic corporate conveyor belt for ladies is, you know, if you get girls who are 35 years old and not married, they want the 35-year-old men to marry them. But if a 35-year-old guy is really well-established, he's wealthy, his market value is, is very high, he can have his pick of any girls he wants. And so he would probably pick a younger lady, and that makes these older ladies very bitter toward both the younger ladies, so they want the younger ladies to be trapped in the same conveyor belt as them. You, you're not going to get older ladies coming back to teach the younger ladies, like, hey, don't go into debt that I went into. Don't pursue the corporate dream. It's actually a nightmare. You should rather, while you're young, trade in your, your beauty, trade in your youth, and find a husband, have a family. That is what's meaningful. That's what I've missed out on. You, you don't find that at all because it's a sunken cost. And so they want young ladies to, to go down the same road as them so that they're not the only ones mm -hmm. uh, left out. And that's the same with this age gap thing is the, the popular culture is trying to demonize the age gap because you've got to condemn the men or guilt the men into not pursuing younger girls, but into marrying the older woman. And so what we would recommend for younger girls, if you're ready to get married, is avoid boys. Don't be looking at the boys that are your age who are not ready to get married. You should be, again, with your family's help, with your church's help, you should be looking for men, maybe five years older than you, who are in that next phase of life, ready to get married, you should be very diligent in looking at that age bracket. And I would say that for the 35-year-old girls as well. You shouldn't be looking for 35-year-old men. You should be looking for 45-year-old men because we want to maximize the success of your trade. You know, and a lot of people will be angry at this or think it's disrespectful or it's dirty or uh, crude. But there is a trade that happens. A, a, a trade between the masculine and feminine dynamic is women want successful men and men want beautiful women and so you have to figure out who am i to that person that's an equivalent trade and so for a 35 year old lady you want to be looking at a 45 year old man because that will be a far better success for you far better odds for you and so it's the same with an 18 year old girl rather than going into college and getting in debt and getting sucked into the corporate conveyor belt you know again with your family and your church's help Look for 23, 24 year old guys who are finished college, they've got a job, they are ready to get married. What a great, uh, what a great dynamic. There. And set up, mm -hmm. like you're going right into his lifestyle, you get to help mm -hmm. him with his mission because he's now on mission and you can then start having children. It's, it's putting you in a place to do what you were made to do. Yeah. And then just to address this part of pursuing their passions, just because she's married to me and is not in college doesn't mean that Kelly can't pursue her passions. I mean, you are passionate about a lot of things mm -hmm. and you pursue a lot of things in your own time at your own choice. You know, you can pursue tons of different passions. It's a lot cheaper to figure out what your passions are when you're not paying hundreds, well, for some places, hundreds of thousands, but thousands of thousands of dollars at university 
to figure out what your passions are. It would be better to not go to university and figure out your passions based off of trial and error of courses, yeah. library books, all of those type of things. Or turn your passion on its head by being shackled into it with with a lot of debt and now your passion becomes a nightmare because you have to do that in order to keep your head above water financially. There's a great business principle for people who are starting businesses is bootstrap everything. Don't go and buy the new equipment and the new thing and go into all this big debt to start something off because you don't know if it's going to work or not. Borrow, beg, bootstrap, secondhand everything. And then if it works, then you've got proof of concept. It's going well. You like what you're doing. Now you can go and buy the new machine or the new equipment if you need it. Hmm. That should be the same for your passions. Oh, I'm passionate about whatever. Well, are you going to go $100,000 into debt for it? Or are you going to bootstrap it and go see if you can actually do it and, and like it? And is there someone else you can piggyback off of? And have you tried every avenue on your own to go and do the thing without having to go a hundred grand into shiny debt because you you want accreditation for it. And there are skills for girls that you can go to trade schools mm -hmm. for that is not university. So my hairdresser was talking to me about how all the girls that she went to college or she went to high school with went off to college and she knew she wasn't going to do well in college. So she started doing cosmetology classes while she was still in high school. And by the time she was 19, she was fully certified to be a hairdresser and now she makes great money from being a hairdresser. And what's great about that is that translates super easy into motherhood because then you can cut your husband's hair, you can cut your children's hair, you can- You can run a business out of your I home. I was just gonna say, I had a friend when I was little whose mom was a hairdresser and she did all of her friend's hair out of their house and we paid her to do our hair. So there's ways that you can then still use that skill to make money if that's what you desire right from within your home. Or a massage school, that is something you don't have to go to university for. You go and you take classes and it is an investment, but it's can you use that for the benefit of your household? And how cool is that? Then you can give your husband's true massages based off of how it's supposed to be done. You can help your children with fascia stuff, tongue ties, all of the stuff that involves in the movement of the body. How neat is that? I think it's a very strange thing that university has been so manipulated to be the only ways for girls to pursue being educated. There are so many ways to pursue education and what better education than hands-on experience? So finding a family friend who has a business and asking if you can be the secretary of the business. You know how hard it is to make phone calls, to answer phone calls? When I was in college, I hated talking on the phone. What a great skill to learn at 18 years old, working for a family business in a safe place where you know the people running it, you're not gonna be abused, you're gonna be protected, and you can practice skills of administration and then get paid for those things. Yeah. We appreciate Laurie Alexander with, with her work on femininity. She recently had a post where she said, girls should go and be a nanny because uh, something to the effect of not going into the feminist uh, thing of academia and workforce, but then you should go be a nanny to pick up skills if you're single. And we, we disagreed with that because number one, you're putting yourself into the place of working for a feminist career academic person. Um, and you were a nanny for, for quite a few years and mm -hmm. you know your, your experience of it. Well, in high school I babysat and then uh, when I graduated high school, I, I always called myself a babysitter, but 
I, looking back at those experiences, I didn't realize how much of those experiences shaped my views on becoming a mother. And because I truly, I did not enjoy my time babysitting. Your time is consumed with keeping these children alive. And if they are pastor's children, I'm not going to say that. And if I would say that. And I babysat some pastor's children, some, I babysat all Christian families. And their children, a lot of the times, were tyrants. And it was so stressful. And you Very, know the parents. Mm-hmm. So the children end up being your boss because if they say that you abuse them or that you're nasty or whatever. Yeah, like, you don't want to discipline the kids and then the parents come home and be told the. And the kids tell their parents that you were mean and you did this and you did that. So you're trying to discipline them in a way that you're still like friends with but them. But it just becomes appeasement. Oh, it's terrible. Like even talking about it makes that like pit up when you're counting down. I don't know how many times. I mean, every time I babysat, it was like, look at my phone. Look at my phone. How much time mm-hmm. do I have left? Even after the kids were asleep, I remember thinking, I don't want to be here. I don't like this. And if this is what parenthood is... Do I want to be a mom? Like, I hate this. I don't even like... Because you're seeing the feminist marriage or motherhood. And it's not your children. (laughs) So, no, you're not going to love these kids like Mm -hmm. your own because you're with them for just a few hours. And you're not going to pick up skills because you're appeasing, you're not disciplining. Yes. So, we suggest to young girls, do not babysit. Do not be a nanny. Go work for a family business and pick up skills of how would you be very valuable to your husband in the future. Your mothering skills will be just fine without having to nanny some feminist's children who you can't even discipline. It's it's like saying, oh, but you're not going to be good at mothering if you don't go nanny someone else's children. It's like, no, you're going to hate mothering if you go nanny someone else's children. It's one thing to be around Christian families. I love being around the families of our church and seeing how they parent. I feel like I've, that has been way better of a vision for me with being a mom is actually being around mothers with their children who like their children. The women that I'm around aren't busy trying to pawn their children off on me. They're inviting me to come along with them, with their children to do things together, which is a beautiful picture of motherhood. Of mother, like That's the picture girls need is yeah. mothers who are so... Who, who see their children as a blessing that they like being around them, come and join me as I'm mothering my child, yeah. not you go watch my children so I can get away from them. Well, I would even say it's like, let's be friends and do stuff. And, oh, my children happen to come along to everything. Yeah, it's so nice. You know. And uh, the other thing I want to say with why we don't recommend nannying, and because I think that's what uh, Lori was pointing at with her post of that, let that be your job. If you're nannying, you're not out meeting people. <laughs> so that's not actually a great job. It's in the evenings when your social time is. Yes, and... it's... And mm-hmm. from my experiences, I never got paid what I thought it was worth. One time I had a child that I was watching and to be quite honest, I didn't enjoy the kid. So um, when the parents were like, so at the end of the night, they didn't ask me before they left they asked me when they got back how much I, I wanted to be paid. And I said, $30 an hour. And their jaws hit the floor and they said, well, sorry, we can't give you that. And we probably won't be asking you to babysit again. It was super awkward, but I went home because we were just newly married. Mm-hmm. And it was a friend of a friend. So we actually didn't know this family. It was a f- friend that we did know really well. It was people who went to church with them. 
And so we would never see them again. But I remember thinking, I'm really glad that I gave that high of a price because I didn't enjoy watching your child to begin with. And for this to be worth my time, I'm going to pay $30 an hour. And then at the same time, how much do you like your child that you are wanting a cheap babysitter? You know what I mean? Like child, no, child care is expensive because you do want your children to be alive. This is a whole nother rabbit trail. All it's, of that too. Yeah. So that question where it seems reasonable for them to go to school, pursue their passions in the meantime. I think the biggest, your passion is you want to get married and have a wonderful time as a help me to a husband that you respect, uh, build a household together. Praise God. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. You can support our channel by leaving a review on Apple Podcast, or if you would like to purchase from our shop, our website is homewithkelly, K-E-L-L-I dot C-O. We have organic rooibos that we bring in from Scott's home country of South Africa. It is a delicious, no caffeine tea, loose leaf. It is so good, iced or warm. And I also have some vintage home goods in the shop and I make some hand bound journals, which are also available. We hope that everything that we share is an encouragement and a blessing to you and your family.